It has been far too long since I've had a chance to talk to you lovely, lovely people, and I've missed you. But the time has come, the show is back, and hopefully uh, we will be able to maintain a solid schedule from here on out. Of course, that's always subject to change, so put a big old asterisk next to that statement. Uh, but hello, Popheads, and welcome to the show. This is issue 15 of 3Bzine Presents, the TomCast Popcast. I am the current head Pophead. My name is Tom. Please follow the show at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Instagram and at TomCast underscore Popcast on Twitter. This is the pop culture podcast that knows the real reason why Aquaman isn't invited to the Justice League Christmas party. Here's a hint. It has something to do with the shrimp cocktails. All right, before we get started, I'd just like to mention the sponsor of today's show is uh, it's Celebration Bowl, brought to us by Mr. Mike Pratt himself, a pint of hoppiness. The man and I are in a stiff, fierce, blood-drenched competition to see who can drink the most uh, Sierra Nevada celebrations before the end of the year. Um, if I am remembering the score count correctly, I am at 47, and Mike is around 32, possibly 33, give or take. It's a neck-and-neck battle. For supremacy, um, you can follow along with those the, with the scoreboard and the ever ever mounting pile of Sierra Nevada bottles uh, through our Instagrams accounts. That's a, a pint of hoppiness and myself. Oh, follow me on the beer one, uh, which is Hoptology SD, and you will see all the celebration goodness. Have fun with that. All right, so it is speaking of celebration. It is our last. This is the show before Christmas, basically. Um, so Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Hanukkah. Is that a, no Happy Hanukkah? Joyful New Year. Joyous New Year's. Right? Are those all of them? Happy Kwanzaa. I think that's in there. Have a great Boxing Day. All the can- awesome Canadian people. I think I covered all the bases. Um, we're gonna have a little mini Christmas chat a little bit later, but the main crux of this show today is gonna be to talk about Aquaman. The movie comes out tomorrow. I have seen it, and I really, really liked it. I give it a two big thumbs up. Um, but I wanted to talk about this character. Now, this is Aquaman is, in my opinion, a really, really cool character, a really fun character. Um, he's gotten a bad rap over the years through, well, mostly from due to the Super Friends cartoon of the 60s, which portrayed him as uh, very weak, lots of... Uh, uh, you know, just deficiencies, you know, he was constantly n- made to be the lesser superhero of the super friends. And that was always unfortunate. And it's, uh, it's something he is, his reputation has not been able to shake over the years. You know, um, that reputation pretty much followed, has followed him for, gosh, three decades now. I mean, it, it's ingrained in the conscious, consciousness that Aquaman isn't cool. And, you know, there's some comic book readers like myself out there who know, who know differently, who know that Aquaman's a pretty badass character when you get down to it. But we want to t- I want to talk about this. I want to, I want to, I want to kind of clear the air for Aquaman because I want I, – I think people will really like this movie if they go give it a chance. But I think there's a little bit of a hesitation maybe with some people who are like, Aquaman, that's that dork who rides on a seahorse. I'm not going to go see that. Well, you're going to miss out on something cool if you don't. So let's let's talk a little bit about Aquaman, okay? Permission to come aboard. So I don't know if I'll be able to change any minds on Aquaman, but I wanted to kind of put some more information out there in the world that maybe would at least persuade people to to, to give him another try, go into a, 
seeing the movie with an open mind and not a bunch of, uh, you know, preconceived notions about the character. So what I was going to do first is I wanted to read off of the, yeah, I'm going to read the internet to you guys. Get ready. This is going to be riveting. Uh, but this is from the Aquaman Wikipedia page. It's kind of interesting, kind of highlights some of the stuff that, um, that I had mentioned to you guys just a moment ago. And then I'm going to compare it to what uh, DC Comics has on their website for, for their introduction to the character. And we kind of can, uh, can kind of see how things are, are painted in one way or the other. All right, so Aquaman is a superhero appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics. Created by Paul Norris and Mort Weisinger, the character debuted in More Fun Comics number 73 in November of 1941. Initially a backup feature in DC's anthology titles, Aquaman later starred in several volumes of a solo comic book series. During the late 1950s and 1960s superhero revival period known as the Silver Age, he was a founding member of the Justice League. In the 1990s, modern age writers interpreted Aquaman's character more seriously with storylines depicting the weight of his role as King of Atlantis. The character's original 1960s animated appearances left a lasting impression, making Aquaman widely recognized in popular culture. Jokes about his wholesome, weak portrayal in Super Friends and perceived feeble powers and abilities have been staples of comedy programs and stand-up routines, leading DC at several times to attempt to make the character edgier or more powerful in comic books. Modern comic book depictions have attempted to reconcile these various aspects of his public perception, casting Aquaman as serious and brooding, saddled with an ill reputation and struggling to find a true role and purpose beyond his public side as a deposed king and fallen hero. So I like that entry mostly because of what it shares about how his reputation was severely, severely sullied from the Super Friends cartoon, which, granted, a lot of us have some fond memories of that cartoon, but Aquaman did not come out of that show unscathed, that is for sure. Now, his entry on the DC page, um, which is, I'm getting this off of DCUniverse.com, and they're trying to get me to sign up for a free trial, which may happen. Don't tell anyone. All right, introduction to Aquaman, alias Arthur Curry, or in King of the Seven Seas, the water bearer, the dweller in the depths. We will not talk about what that means. Dweller in the depths was, let's, let's move on. All right, monarch of the undersea realm of Atlantis and King of the Seven Seas, Aquaman is one of the most powerful DC superheroes, commanding a kingdom that covers three quarters of the Earth's surface, including all the creatures contained within. Arthur Curry came from humble beginnings as most of his life was spent exiled from his home, unaware of his noble origins. When he finally took the throne as an adult, he became the most legendary king in Atlantean history. A founding member of the Justice League of America, Aquaman has fought alongside Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and held his own against the biggest threats the universe has ever seen. Despite being misunderstood by many as someone who merely, quote-unquote, talks to fish, Aquaman's super strength and fighting prowess alone makes him a force to be reckoned with. His telepathic abilities make him one of the most powerful minds on the planet. If, he chooses to, if one chooses to underestimate the Sea King, they do so at their own peril. So yeah, you could argue that's a little bit of a spin from, <laughs> from DC, getting their, getting their character all hyped up for everybody. And I, I, you, know, you have to do that. The, the Wikipedia entry mentions the Super Friends version of Aquaman creating a lasting impression. And I think a lot of people still have that impression of Aquaman. And uh, that's hard to shake. So what I did was I solicited a couple friends. I'm not going to name names and say who said what. Um, But I just asked them, 
you know, did you ever have an opinion on Aquaman prior to Jason Momoa? I've gotten a couple different answers. <laughs> gotten never a big fan. No opinion at all. Uh, I always thought he was sort of lame. And I, I got one, <laughs> one good one. I actually liked his portrayals in the animated movies and in the Injustice series. I didn't read too much of the comics, but I was familiar on the surface level with the character. Uh, and one of the commenters um, also went on to elaborate that he knows his opinion is probably a little bit unfair, but, you know, that's it is what it is. And uh, you're right, it is what it is. So, and these are nerd friend people, like people who are, you know, well aware of popular culture. So with the exception of one person, you know, Aquaman is not looked kindly upon in, in a general sense. You know, he's kind of the forgotten member of the Justice League, the kind of forgotten superhero of the DC universe. And it's a shame because he's pretty badass. And I'm going to find, I'm going to try and find ways to, to convince you otherwise. Or at least convince you to give him another chance. Probably more appropriate to give him another chance and say, I'm going to change your minds. Do what I say. Bend to my will. That was the worst pet talk ever. So a few things were going on when I was first curious about the Aquaman character. I was just beginning to kind of, uh, this is back when I was a teenager in the early to mid-90s. And I was, I, you know, I, I'd go to the comic book store once a week and I was always the big Marvel kid. But I had started wanting to get to know more about the DC characters too, and um, you know, you know, you know, Batman, you know, Superman, you know, Flash. I, I you know, I, I kind of had a passing familiarity with with most of the big seven characters, Wonder Woman included. I didn't know much about Aquaman. Uh, you know, I had seen Super Friends as a kid, didn't remember much of it to be honest with you. Um, but DC was doing something at the time where they were trying to, as like as the Wikipedia page referenced, they were trying to. Um, change his image and, and change the perceptions of him. So it, he was kind of, he was kind of having a bad day. Um, and he kind of became like this, I don't want to say an anti-hero, but he became like this, 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 uh, you know, he was the King of Atlantis and he had the weight of the world on his shoulders approach is what they were going for. And it led to a, a different look for the character, not the green shorts and the orange shirt anymore. Uh, this was an Aquaman with, you know, a, a long haggard beard, blonde, long hair. He's kind of grungy looking, right? Kind of looked like that, that, that Seattle grunge scene, but this was underwater. Uh, he also had his hand, I believe it was his left hand, uh, eaten off by piranhas. So he was handless for a little while, then he replaced it with like this crazy harpoon that he could, that he could control with his telepathy. Um, it was a pretty dramatic change, but it, it, it caught the eye of a 12-year-old Tom, that was for sure. And it caught the eye of a lot of other people. Uh, the new series was launched by writer Peter David uh, with art by an exceptional series of artists throughout. Um, and it, it, caught my, it caught my eye on the shelves. So I started picking up that, that comic and I started to get familiar with the character of Aquaman. And, you know, it was kind of a heady book. There's a lot of like political Atlantean, Atlantean politics and stuff like that in the book. So some of it was a little dry for me. And that, you know, no. Dry Aquaman. Okay, I see what I did there. Um, but it was still it was a it was a good comic book and it was a good interpretation of the character that I, that I seem to be um, learning about through this new version of him. At the same time, Grant Morrison was relaunching the Justice League with his version of the characters of the main seven. You know, uh, and and Grant's approach to the Justice League was to depict Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash. 
Aquaman and Martian Manhunter as um, basically like new versions of the ancient gods. And so Aquaman obviously is like Poseidon, which makes a lot of sense since he has a, you know, that whole sea thing going for him. And that was a great interpretation of the character as well. The, the, that, that run of Justice League by Grant Morrison is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and it served as a great entry for further discovering the character of Aquaman and how cool he was and how, uh, how strong and how powerful and, and just kind of how much of a badass he really is as opposed to the general perceptions of him. Um, if you're following along on Instagram, I've been posting pics of some of the, some of the collected books of Aquaman that I have been reading over the years. Um, later on, a few, few years later, uh, after Aquaman gets his hand back and he goes back to the orange shirt and everything, you know, cause like comic books are cyclical. We've talked about that. What's old is new again. And, uh, there's a great run that started with, uh, a great run of, of the character started in, I believe it was the sixth volume of his comic book series, uh, with, uh, with, uh, being written by Will Pfeiffer with art by the awesome Patrick Gleason, who his pencils are fantastic. He adds a sort of might to, to the character that maybe was missing before. I mean, he made Aquaman look like a total, total badass and uh, not someone you want to, want to fuck around with. And I loved the first storyline that they did together because, because it was titled Sub Diego, which is the, the sinking of San Diego and uh, the inhabitants mysteriously gaining the ability to breathe underwater, and Aquaman becomes the protector of Sub Diego. Uh, super, super fun storyline as he's trying to figure out what's going on, how did this happen, you know, how, how can he help everyone out who now has to live underwater and can't go back up home where they, uh, they probably belong. Good, good, fun stuff. Uh, and then, you know, DC, as is the custom with a lot of comic books, they, they, they had um, editorial issues, editorial changes. And it was time to change directions for the entire DC universe. So the long and short of it is, is a, you know, a few years after, after Sub Diego and whatnot, uh, they relaunched their books. And maybe this is something you've heard of because it got a lot of media coverage at the time that what DC did, what was known as the New 52. And Aquaman was one of the big stars of this New 52 it, with a, a new book being written by a superstar writer, Jeff Johns, and being illustrated by Ivan Reese. Uh, this book, launched and took the character to all new heights. This book got so much attention on it from people who maybe had glossed over Aquaman for a long time. It, it made them pay attention. You know, when, when Jeff Johns was writing a comic book, it, it made uh, the casual reader pay more attention to something that maybe they would have ignored before. So this was a good thing for the character overall. And what's funny is I, I've been rereading through the Jeff Johns run recently this past week. And there are so many elements from his run that you can that you can pick up at trade paperbacks at bookstores and on Amazon. You can go to Comicsology right now. There's a big Aquaman sale. So many elements from the Jeff Johns run are so influential to what is going to happen. What what is happening in the Aquaman film? It's it was funny to to go through. Um, I saw the film a few days ago, and I started reading the Jeff Johns books shortly afterwards. And I started going through there. And I was like. Oh wait, I recognize that scene. They use that in this, and um, yeah, it's it's the, the comic books are great. But if you're not a comic book head, not a comic book junkie like I am, you know, maybe you don't want to go and read all that stuff and whatever. You just want to go and see a movie, a fun movie. I got news for you: Aquaman is a fun, fun movie. You're gonna really like it. I I, I would guarantee it, but you know, I don't want to do that because. Everyone's got opinions, and they don't always agree with mine. 
But in my opinion, this is a fun movie. This is a must-see movie, especially in the theaters. The, the visual spectacle that's on the screen is worthy of your money, your time, and your attention in the theater. Um, I don't want to go into a big spoiler-filled rant about the movie. I think we'll probably save that for down the road. I know I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll get Roger in here soon, and we can sit down and break down some Aquaman fun for everybody about the film. What I'd like to say about it is, first of all, we, we've seen a bit of Jason Momoa as Aquaman already. You know, if you saw Justice League, you saw, A, a version of Aquaman that's completely different than anything you might be familiar with from before, which I think is part of the reason why they cast him. Uh, but B, you, you, you saw Momoa as, um, he has a certain, certain presence about him, a certain charisma that uh, makes you want, I feel like you, you want to like this guy. That's how I feel about Jason Momoa. I feel like, like yeah, that's some dude I want to hang out with and have a beer with. He looks like a cool guy, a fun time. And he brings that kind of personality, infuses that kind of personality into Aquaman, into the film, into everything he's, he's doing in that film. I mean, your eyes are just kind of drawn to him. Yes, he's a hunky man, but I mean, come on, that's, that's beside the point. I'm there to see superhero stuff, and uh, Momoa can pull it off. That is for sure. So what do I want to say about this movie that's going to you know, help put any, any fears or concerns at ease? It's not your typical superhero film. It's not run around and, and punch people in the head to save the world kind of situation. I mean, this is, this is our second full version, full-time scene Moa as Aquaman. But this is actually pretty much his origin movie, and it takes place after Justice League. It's not set beforehand. This, you know, what happened in Justice League happened, and this is about a year or so later from that. And it goes back and kind of explores his origins as a child, his... Uh, you know, how he was kind of an outcast as, as, as a child because he was different, how that has driven and motivated him and kind of set him apart from everybody else, how he kind of is on the, on the periphery of, of, of society. Um, and then it goes on a, on a quest. A hero, the classic hero's quest is in this film. And I thought they did a fantastic job of giving Arthur slash Aquaman a... The journey from what Aquaman is at the beginning of this film to where he ends up, I think, is really well done. There are a lot of fantastic elements. Like I said, the movie's visually stunning to look at. It's it's beautifully rendered. You know, obviously the Atlantis the Atlantis scenes, all, a lot of the stuff underwater, the big battles underwater, computer rendered, computer rendered, but they still look really good. And you know, there's sometimes when you get those computer animated fight scenes uh, that are just like like a big mess of gobbledygook. Uh, not not this time around. Like you you can you can see everything very very well, very clear, uh, and it's it's beautiful, St- stunning. I, I keep saying stunning, but I'm gonna say it again. It's stunning to look at. Some of the some of the elements in this movie that I think are so good is the tone is light. There is a lot of, of humor in the film. It's very you know there are times where the scenes are dark, but somehow illuminated brightly. Take that for what you will. It's a weird thing to say, but you know scenes at the bottom of the ocean. Still managed to find some light somehow in this film to, to color it. You know, it's not dark and dreary and depressing like the way Justice League and the Batman movies have been. Uh, there is a, a strong fantasy element to the film, which I loved. Uh, you know, they, 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 they don't try to... They don't try too hard to ground this movie in reality because I think they know that's a huge, huge mistake. You know, this is Aquaman. Let's embrace the fantasy of the whole thing. And they do. They really, really do. And they do it to, to wonderful... To, a wonderful extent. 
it also has a fantastic quest aspect. Not just a hero's quest, but a questine aspect that is good. I mean, you give me uh, mysterious puzzles from ancient civilizations and, and maps and, and, and all that stuff. And, uh, Matt, you know, oh, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to say too much. But that's the kind of stuff I, I love, you know, that kind of like pulpy Golden Age adventure stuff. And they, they put that into this film to help kind of help Arthur on his journey to becoming a, the, the, you know, the, the Aquaman, I suppose. Um, and again, I don't want to... It's hard to talk about this film without really spoiling anything. It is a fun, fun movie. It's family-friendly. If you want to take your family, go see it by yourself. If you don't want to take your family, it's up to you. I am hard-pressed to find something else to recommend as much. Uh, I know Aquaman is a good time. This is another one in the same vein as Wonder Woman. This is something that DC got right. This is something that DC has done well. And I think that is worthy of our support and our attention because, you know, if you're, if you're even remotely like me in this regard, you don't want to see superhero movies go away. You want to see them keep coming out and being bigger and better than the ones before them. And Warner Bros. is maybe finally on the right path. You know, Wonder Woman was a great step. That was a really strong movie. I love watching Wonder Woman. It's great. And this is another solid, solid entry in the same vein. They changed the tone to be something that more people are going to be able to connect with. And like I said, despite the fantastical elements, associated with with both films, really, um, but Aquaman leans into its wildness, its craziness, its its those those fantasy elements that I mentioned before. It, It leans into all of that. And it finds a way to make the thing that Aquaman has been mostly maligned for throughout his, you know, in pop, maligned for in pop culture throughout the decades. And it turns it into like a real strength for the character, uh, which I thought was um, just, I thought that was really well done. It, James Wan is the director of this film, uh, and he brings a nice, I, I think he brought the right touch to the film. He, he saw a screenplay. He had a, he, he was able to interpret it, give it, bring it some, bring it to life, bring it to his vision, and it's uh, it's super strong. It's really good. I can't I can't wait to see, for for more people to see it so we can talk more about it because I'm curious how people who don't have much of a perception of Aquaman will will take this movie and I hope they go into it with, with an open mind and uh, give it a fair shake. You know, if, if you're gonna go into that theater being like, oh, Aquaman's a dork, you know, you may. That's, it's going to taint your perceptions of the character to begin with. Or if you hated Justice League or if you hated the little cameo he had in uh, Batman versus Superman, I w- don't let those things affect your viewing of the movie. Um, take this on its own. This is its own thing. You don't even need to have seen those other movies, so you can totally blank them out from your memory and just watch this. And I would be hard-pressed to say that you're not going to have at least a good time you know, maybe it won't be your favorite movie ever, but I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to have had a good time. You're going to have enjoyed yourself. And maybe, just maybe, you're going to have a better understanding and appreciation for Aquaman and how how much I think he's a cool character. And, uh, you know, that, and that's not a bad thing because it means going forward, people are going to want more of these kind of movies. And that's that's what we want. We want more movies that are like this, that are well done, that have a, a good vision to them, a good story, a good good themes and, and ideas in it. In it. Um, so we got, we got to embrace these kind of movies. And I hope you guys will go check it out. All right, before we get out of here, um, over on Beer Night in San Diego, we had, we had talked about some of our favorite Christmas movies. Uh, and since I love Christmas, I think as much as Cody, 
it's possible he loves it more. But, you know, there's no accurate way to measure that. So I'm just going to say I love it as much as Cody does. But I didn't want to retread that conversation unnecessarily. So uh, instead of talking about favorite Christmas movies, uh, I solicited our friends who've been on the show and got their opinion on their favorite Christmas songs. So some of those I wanted to share with you guys are... Now, Mike hasn't been on the show, but Mike... Uh, Mr. Mike, Magic Mike, A Pen of Happiness, uh, he's a good friend, and he's going to be on the show. So I wanted to get his opinion, and he selected Michael Buble or... Xmas with the Vandals, Cody, Super Cody, producer extraordinaire, creator of the amazing 3BZ Network. Uh, he gave me a, a list of some nice ones. He gave me Bad Religion Christmas, Taylor Swift Christmas, a Christmas gift from Phil Spector, the Vince Girardi Trio, which is the Charlie Brown Christmas album, and the Wayne Newton Christmas. He also wanted to mention uh, that he loves Frank Sinatra and Dead Martin's Christmas records. Now, he said Dead Martin, but I think he means Dean Martin. What do you guys think? I meant to do a Google search to make sure Dead Martin's not an artist, but I'm going to assume he means Dean Martin. From super friend Roger Smith, we got What's This? From the Nightmare, from the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack, Oh Holy Night, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Little Drummer Boy. So he went with his songs over albums, but that's good too. I like that. He had some specific favorites. Jeff Nail, our other super great co-host for the show so far, um, co-host of the Ringing Ear podcast as well. They did a special Christmas song episode on their show, which I believe was episode 33 of their show, uh, which is just wrapped up for the year. So you can go back and listen to season one whenever you want. Uh, he shared his list with me to share with you guys, which is uh, Mike Dowdy, Holiday, The Hives, Cindy Lauper, A Christmas Duel, Clarence Carter, Backdoor Santa, Bob's Burgers, The Spirit of Christmas, these are specific songs as well. So Jeff went with songs as opposed to albums per se, but not not a bad list there. And a bit eclectic, which is I think what we all have come to expect from Jeff at this point. So I thank him for sending that over to me. And from Tabitha Thompson, I got her Desert Island Top 5. Number one, Willie Nelson, Pretty Paper. Number two, A Very She and Him Christmas. Number three, A Jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra. Number four, The Beach Boys Christmas. Number five, Michael Buble Christmas. Honorable mention to songs who don't have whole albums goes to Paul McCartney, Wonderful Christmas Time, plus John Lennon, Happy Christmas War is Over. Pretty, that's a pretty rad list, I'm not going to lie. Uh, for myself, I would agree with just about everything on that list. Uh, when it comes to Christmas songs, I'm, I'm shockingly traditional. I, I like a lot of the old songs, but I like it when newer artists perform them and give them new spins. So as much as I love... You know, like I said, most of those albums that they mentioned, the Buble album in particular is fantastic. But, you know, give me, t- you know, take all the songs off that, uh, you know, I, I would have to put uh, the Bad Religion Christmas album on there, one of my favorites. I, I enjoyed the Weezer Christmas album as well. A uh, big fan of, oh, I did like that T-Swift too. God dang. God dang. I enjoyed the Seth MacFarlane Christmas album. That's not half bad there. I'm also a big fan of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra albums. Christmas is the Time to Say I Love You by Billy Squire is a great version of that song. And again, like I said, I'm a sucker for the classics. So give me that, give me that Bing Crosby White Christmas album. Why not, right? Oh, man. So many good songs are play, getting played in the house right now. I hope you guys are playing the shit out of your Christmas albums because this is the one time of year we get to really embrace it and not get made fun of. <laughs> well, in, in my house, we get made fun of no matter what. But it's still fun to, to get to play the songs. Um, so let's, let's close it out for the, for the, for the show. Like I said, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas. 
I hope you guys all have a safe, wonderful, amazing holiday. And I hope to talk to you soon in the new, well, hopefully one more time before the year's out. But let's talk in the new year too, okay? You guys take care. Love, love, love you guys. Merry Christmas. My brother has come from the surface to challenge me for the throne. I call it an ass whooping. I have no choice. I came to save my home and the people that I love. You think you're unworthy to lead because you're of two different worlds. That is exactly why you are worthy. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year!